Again, we are continuing in our missions focus this month. We have uh, another special speaker this evening to bring forth the message that the Lord has laid on his heart. We also have uh, many uh, announcements. I'm not going to really go through them all this evening, but we've got stewardship forms. We've got sort of the Lord's down here available to you. We have our Christmas gift to Jesus fund that we're continuing to take. And then uh, we have our 58th anniversary coming up as well at the end of the month. But to continue our missionary journey, we've got two more of these uh, tonight and then on Wednesday night as well. We're going to share a missionary letter of a missionary of the present. This morning, if you were here, you would have heard the story of Sam Mortson, who was a missionary to New Zealand and to New South Wales, which is in Australia. And he was a missionary of the past. This evening, I'd like to share with you one of our current missionaries, Eddie and Rita Arendale to the Virgin Islands, proclaiming the gospel to families of the Virgin Islands. They say here in their September 2021 letter, truly the Lord has been opening doors and opportunities to share the gospel. Despite the presence of COVID-19 and the many restrictions that come along with it, we were able to run uh, a summer day camp at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Because of the COVID limitations, the children that attended this summer camp were all children of the church that had previously made a profession of faith. Nonetheless, the teaching and preaching from God's word were strongly delivered. Several of the children received assurance of salvation, and many had questions about serving the Lord. So praise the Lord. In addition, the children had lots of fun and games that reinforced the Bible teachings. So even through all of the COVID restrictions and the limitations that have been put on them, they continue to reach their children in that area with the gospel. Rita has been teaching the teen Sunday school class, and two of the teens uh, will begin serving the Lord as helpers in junior church this month. Praise the Lord and pray with us that the Lord will call them into full-time Christian service. In addition, Rita has been investing much time discipling and mentoring the ladies of the church. It is exciting to see their faith grow in the Lord and how their interest in the work of the Lord is increasing. And he goes on to talk about his uh, Tuesday discipleship classes, and he is focusing on teaching some Bible doctrines. Their Sunday school class, they're teaching and going through the Pentateuch. They're currently in Deuteronomy. And so basically, the goal of all of these is to grow the knowledge of the Word of God and to teach these people, the people in the Virgin Islands, to teach them their responsibility to share their faith by presenting the plan of salvation to those who have not believed. So they're building the church there, they are encouraging, they are edifying, they are teaching, and then they are helping them to then go out and proclaim the gospel. They do have some prayer requests here, so let's pay attention to these. They say, because of COVID-19, enrollment at the school is down by around 100 students. Uh, the school's only source of income is from tuition that is paid. The situation is so grave that it was necessary for teachers and staff of the school to receive a pay cut. They were already not being uh, paid much, but now with this reduction in pay, many are considering not returning. They feel that the, with the reduced pay, they are not able to make ends meet and take care of their families. So the school has a tremendous impact on the children of the Virgin Islands, and we have seen so many of them that have gotten saved at this school. So please pray that the Lord will provide the money to stabilize the school's budget. And then secondly, they ask for prayer and continue to pray that the Lord will move in a miraculous way and reopen Blue Water Bible College and Institute. The Bible College is foundational and is badly needed to train men and women for the work of the ministry in the Virgin Islands and the Caribbean areas. 
Pray for Pastor Andrew George, who is the president of the college. Pray for the leadership team, that they will be led by the Spirit of God. And pray for the pastor on St. Thomas, that they would support the college. The potential there is great. So as you think of it this week, let's pray for Eddie and Rita Arendale to the Virgin Islands, our missionaries, ones that we support, and they are going through, uh, along with the rest of us, COVID restrictions and limitations. But we want to make sure that the gospel continues to be proclaimed in the area of the Virgin Islands and across the world. And now let's, uh, let's welcome our special speaker this evening, Brother Ed, to bring forth the message for the evening. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good evening. <clears throat> Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8. And in continuing with our missions theme this month, I titled my message tonight, Where is Your Chariot? But in hindsight, I should have entitled it, Where are Your Chariots? Plural, because we have many. And hopefully as we, you recognize the, the account as you turn there, I'm sure, but uh, hopefully as we go through that, you'll you understand and agree that we have uh, numerous chariots, okay? So we're going to begin reading in verse 26, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this opportunity, Lord, to look into your word, Father. And Lord, I just pray, Father, for the filling of your Spirit, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you just speak through me. And I ask, Lord, that you speak to your people, Father, Lord, and encourage them and challenge them, Father. And Lord, just, uh, just help us, Father, to be uh, the witnesses and the servants that you've called us to be, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. You know, the book of Acts, as, as the pastor has reminded us numerous times, is the blueprint of the New Testament church. And when we go back, you know, if you go back through the verses, lead, the ch chapters rather leading up to this, you know that, at, you know, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, you know, the, the disciples, you know, were filled with fear and uncertainty and, and just a lot of unknowns, and they hid. And then, you know, obviously, of course, on the third day when Jesus rose from the grave uh, and he appeared to them, then, you know, after that, 
Uh, in Acts chapter 8, we read, you know, he appeared to the disciples and others as well. And in Acts chapter 8, one, verse 1, when he was, was ascended into heaven, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other most parts of the earth. And then fast forward to Acts chapter 2, and we read about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit come, came upon them, and they were empowered. And after that empowering of the Holy Spirit, they became bold witnesses for Jesus. And, and, you know, the first few chapters there, chapter 3, 4, and 5, and so forth, you read about all that happened in Jerusalem uh, with the disciples. You know, the church began to grow. People were being saved. You know, they were called before the council and said, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And what a testimony that is, right? Imagine, imagine someone saying, you filled Woodbridge with your doctrine, calling the pastor up, right? But they said, you filled Jerusalem with your, or with your doctrine, and they you know, threatened them and said, don't preach anymore. And they said, we can't help but preach what we, we've seen and heard. And then we read about uh, Peter and, and others being arrested and, and beaten and being, you know, praising God that they were worthy to suffer for his name. And these things going on. We read, read about Ananias and Sapphira and, and everything that's happening in the church there in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 7, we read about Stephen, the first martyr. And, you know, he preached that powerful message that made the crowd angry and they stoned him. And, and, you know, he looked up to heaven, and, and his face was like an angel and, and this type of thing. And in verse cha chapter 9, ver chapter 8, rather, verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And then it said that Saul wreaked havoc on the church, and he'd go into homes, and he'd drag people out, and he'd throw them into prison. And persecution really increased. And, you know, God allowed that for a purpose. He allowed that so that the disciples, the apostles, would scatter. They were still in Jerusalem, and so that caused them to leave Jerusalem. And as they traveled about, wherever they happened to go, they were preaching the word of God and people were being saved. And we read that Philip went to Samaria. So when he left Jerusalem, he went to Samaria. And when he got to Samaria, if you read the first parts there of chapter 8, he goes to Samaria and he's, you know, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's preaching, people getting saved, the church is growing. There was so much going on there in Samaria that, you know, when the apostles heard about it, they, spent, they sent Peter and John there, you know. And so all this activity is going on there at Jerusalem. And then an angel of the Lord appears to Philip, and he says, go down to Gaza. And he goes to Gaza, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. And he joins himself to the chariot like we just read. And he, he asks, you know, the eunuch is reading in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And, and um, Philip joins himself to him. And he shares with him about Jesus Christ. And the man gets saved, gets baptized, and so forth and so on. And so as we look at this account, I just want to bring up three very basic points. You know, I'm not going to teach you any, any fascinating doctrine, any new truths or anything, but I hope that the message tonight will just encourage you. Okay? We need to be encouraged from time to time, and I hope that it will challenge you. And, and that's my, my goal tonight. And so if, if I do that, then, then praise God. Amen? So the first thing that we want, I want to point out is that God prepared the Ethiopian, okay? God prepared the Ethiopian. Obviously, God had been working in the heart, working in the life of this Ethiopian. In verse 27 of chapter 8, um, yeah, verse 27, it says, And he, meaning Philip, arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship so what we know about this Ethiopian is that he was a man of authority. He obviously had influence, okay, and he was, uh, he was under 
uh, Candace, and he was in charge of her treasure. But the thing I really want to point out here is that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Okay? So here's an Ethiopian who's a Gentile, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Okay? And over in verse um, 28, it says, Returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Esaias the prophet. Uh, verse 30 says, Philip ran hither and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So here's a man that had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. So that tells me that God was obviously doing something in this man's life that was drawing him to God. He wanted to know more about God. He wanted to worship God. And you know, in our natural state, our natural fleshliness, we tend to drift. We don't tend to draw to toward God. We tend to drift from God, right? We tend to cool off, right? And it's the Holy Spirit that draws men to God. So God was obviously working in this man's life. God was preparing this Ethiopian for this encounter with Philip. Amen? And, you know, <clears throat> we never know what God is doing in someone's life, do we? You know, I mean, if we're close friends with somebody here in the church and we have contact with them, you know, we know, we kind of have an indication that God's doing something in their life because of things we see them do, things we hear them say, you know, little changes in their attitude, changes in their life. Some of our inmates, you know, they call us and write us and we see, see little glimpses of God working in their life, you know. And it's, and it's such a blessing. But, you know, someone you just meet at the bus stop at Lowe's, right? You don't know what God is doing in their life. You have no idea what God is doing in their life. You know, they may be a born-again Christian on fire for the Lord, or they may be an atheist, or they may be anywhere in between, you know. But so we never know. We don't know what God is doing in someone's life. And if God leads us to speak to someone to share with someone, to give someone a track, then, you know, just like that Ethiopian, God was preparing him for that encounter with, with Isaiah, I mean with Philip. If God leads us to talk to someone, to share with someone, that's an indication, to me at least, of one of two possibilities. Either God is already doing something in that person's life, or God wants to do something in that person's life. So either someone has planted a seed and God is, is starting to till the soil of their heart so that that seed will take root and you're just going to come and water it. Or maybe he wants to do something in their life and he wants you to plant that seed so he can start to till that soil and that root take place. Amen? So God was preparing the Ethiopian. Not only was God preparing the Ethiopian, but God pursued the Ethiopian. Amen? Because we read that God told Philip to go to Gaza. Now, we don't read anything in this encounter that anything else that Philip did in Gaza. You know, he may have encountered other people, but it was desert, so it, it might be unlikely. But we do know that he met this Ethiopian, and after dealing with this Ethiopian, the Spirit of the Lord caught him away. So think about that. God sent, you know, Philip is in Samaria, where all this activity is going on, I mean, it's just a, a spiritual, um, you know, just so much spiritual activity going on. People have been getting saved. There's so much activity that they send two more apostles to come and, and help out. And there's so much going on. And, you know, normally, and rightly so, but normally we want to look and f see where God is moving and God is working, and then we want to get right in the middle of it, right? 
I mean, that's, that's, that just makes sense. If, if I want to be used by God, I'm going to look and see where he's moving and where he's working, and I'm going to run there as fast as I can and get involved, you know? But all this activity was going on in Samaria, and God says, leave Samaria and go out here to the desert, right? And God, and, and God sent Philip from Samaria, where all this activity was, to the desert of Gaza to encounter one man. Think about that. He sent him from Samaria to Gaza for one soul. Think about that. Does that sink in? One soul. How much value does God place on one soul? Now, I know, okay, I know that, e that this Ethiopian was a man of influence. He was a man of authority. And I'm sure when he got, you know, once he got saved, it said he went away rejoicing. And, and he probably impacted others when he got home. He had a large, huge impact, you know, for the cause of Christ. And many others were likely saved. I understand that. But, God's, but what we know, based on the scripture here, what we know is that God sent Philip from Samaria to Gaza for one soul. That's how much value God places on one soul. And if God places that much value on one soul, how much value should we place on one soul? Amen? And so God, so Philip, God sends Philip down to Gaza, and he sees this Ethiopian. And then we read that, let me find my place here. Then verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And I like verse 30. After the Spirit told Philip to go and join himself to this chariot, what did Philip do? It says, And Philip ran thither to him. Ran thither to him. No hesitation. Immediate obedience. Man, that's the kind of attitude we need to have, you know. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and tells us to do something, we need to have that habit, and I need to have it too. You know I don't have it because I've already confessed that. But we need to have that, develop that habit of immediate obedience. And you say, well, Brother Ed, that's unrealistic. Nobody's going to do immediate obedience. I, I beg to differ. And I bet you Daquan begs to differ. Because you know why? If you've ever been in the military and you're in basic training, you know about immediate obedience. Because when that drill instructor or that training instructor, depending on the branch you're in, when they tell you to do something, you do it right then. You don't ask questions. You don't hesitate. That's just going to get you in hot water. You immediately, whatever they tell you, you immediately do it right then. The whole, from the time you get off that bus until you leave, Anything they tell you to do, and they tell you some crazy things to do, you do it. Immediate obedience. Now, let me ask you this. If I'm willing to put my, I went through basic training, so if I'm willing to put myself in that position where I have a human being telling me what to do, and I do it right when he tells me to do it, if I'm willing to allow a human being to do that to me, how much more should I allow God to do that for me? How much more should I be, obey the Holy Spirit when he tells me to do something? Amen? We need to develop a habit of immediate obedience. You know, the Spirit prompted Philip to join himself to that chariot. And likewise, the Spirit will prompt us, right, to speak to other people. 
And we need to be sensitive to his leading, and we must act when prompted. If we did that, think about that. If we did that, if every time the Holy Spirit prompted us to share with somebody, we did that, how much more effective do you think our soul winning would be, individually and as a church? How much more effective would it be? I think it would be a lot more effective. How much different would our life be? A lot different. So God prepared the Ethiopian. God pursued the Ethiopian. And in keeping with my peas, I'm stretching it here, God purchased the Ethiopian. And I think you know what I mean by that. You know, we've been bought with the price, right? When Philip, <clears throat> verse 35, I'm going to read 35 through 37 again. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then they went into the, the water and was baptized. So first thing we see here is that Philip began at the same scripture. Okay? So, so it, this uh, Ethiopian is reading in the scripture and he asked this question, who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? And Philip began at that same scripture and told him about Jesus. And, you know, I got to thinking about that. You know, I got to thinking about that and I said, you know, we're going to meet people. If we're out soul winning or if we're talking to people we work with, go to school with or whatever, we're going to meet people at, at various levels of spiritual knowledge, for lack of a better term, right? We're going to meet people that they've spent their whole life in church, you know, and they know what the Bible says. They know about, they know the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They know all the doctrines and so forth and so on. But maybe it's up here and not here, okay? And so maybe we just need to let them know that it's not about you know, going to church. It's not about church attendance or church membership. It's not about tithing. It's not about um, you know, doing good deeds, being a good neighbor, you know, uh, volunteering. It's not about that. It's about having your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's about that personal relationship with the risen Savior. And then we might encounter people that are, are down here, and they know very little. And we, we, we encounter those in our ministry. You know, they'll write to us and say, you know, Brother Ed, I want to I know about God. Can you send me a Bible? You know, and they don't know anything, hardly. They, they didn't go to church. They didn't have anybody teach them anything about the Bible. You know, they believe in God, but that's about it. And then you have to, you know, you got to do a little bit more work with some of those people. But, you know, we just got to take people where they are, and I'm not talking about this feel-good, you know, emergent church, you know, purpose-driven kind of stuff. I'm talking about just meeting people where they are and presenting Jesus on their level, okay? Because it's all, it's, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's about getting them, letting them get to know Jesus and calling upon him as their Savior, okay? And the second thing we see is he used the Scripture. He began at the same... Uh, what did it say? The same scripture and presented Jesus. You know, we need to make sure that when we're talking to people about the Lord, we don't tell them what the preacher said or what the latest podcast we heard said or what the latest YouTube video we read or the latest book we read says. We need to tell them what the Word of God says because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Holy Spirit can take that Word of God and he can get in there and do his work. Amen. 
So we need to make sure we use the word of God. And then it says that he preached Jesus. You know, we got to tell people about Jesus. He's the only source of uh, salvation. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of soul winning and evangelism books on my bookcase. I counted them the other day. And right now I have 26 books on soul winning and evangelism. And I threw some away not too long ago. Okay? Now some of those 26 books on evangelism, and you might say, well, Ed, it seemed like after a while you learned how to do it. I, I read those books because I want it to stay on my heart. You know? I want it to stay in the forefront of my mind, you know, that soul winning is what this is all about. You know, that, that's what we're here for is for soul winning. You know, a few years ago, I began to pray and ask God to make me a more effective soul winner, a more obedient soul winner. You know, I wanted to, to I, wanted, I, I told, I said, I don't know how much time I got left, Lord, but I want to lead as many people to Christ as I can before you take me home. And that's my heart's desire, you know. And so I try to keep that focused right in, in front of me. Is, is, it's about winning souls. It's about telling people about Jesus. Amen? But out of those 26 books that I have, some, are, like I say, are very good, and some of them aren't worth the paper they're written on. And, you know, they, they, some of them, if you read it, it's, it's like, they discourage you almost like you can't win anybody to Christ anymore. You know? But the Holy Spirit is still working. And Jesus is still the answer. And, you know, we just got to tell people about Jesus. I work for the Department of Defense, and I'm not, I, I'm not sure if I should say this or not. Okay? <laughs> but I'm going to say it because it's the truth. I work for the Department of Defense, and the agency I work for, we have a chaplain. He's an Army colonel. And uh, one of my coworkers told him about, you know, I, I work with this guy that's got a prison ministry. So he sent me an email and said he wanted to have lunch. So we had lunch together. And some of the things that he was saying, I was like, man, I was just kind of shaking my head, you know? And we had a July 4th thing, you know? And, and then the agency I work for, we have a headquarters at Fort Meade, Maryland, but then, you know, we're worldwide. We're, you know, so we have, you know, office, field offices all over the globe and all over the free world anyway, you know? And so we have this network, it's like a TV network, and so when we have a commander's call, director's all hands, that type of thing, it can broadcast out, you know, and so forth and so on. And we had a July 4th was coming up, and somebody was interviewing this chaplain, right? And so he has an opportunity to speak to the entire workforce, active duty military, government civilians, government contractors, thousands and thousands, I don't know how many people work for us, thousands of people, right? And he had a chance to speak He's the chaplain. He's the chaplain. You would think he would say something about Jesus, something spiritual. He talked about growing tomatoes. He talked about growing tomatoes. He had an opportunity to share that Jesus died for their sin. He's the chaplain. And he talked about growing tomatoes. And then he applied that to building relationships. Man. We've got to tell people about Jesus. How else are they going to be saved if we don't tell them about Jesus? <clears throat> We've got to tell people the reason of the hope that is in us. Amen? We never be ashamed of that. Never back away from that. 
Got to tell them about Jesus. You know, <clears throat> then of course, the Ethiopian believed and he was baptized. And you know, as we look at this encounter, I just want to, in closing, I just want to just make a few closing comments. As we look at this encounter, and you know, I was looking at it, and, I was, and, I, and a thought came to my mind. We look at everybody that's involved, all, everything and everyone that's involved in this. First of all, we see, of course, Jesus, because he died for this Ethiopian sins, right? We see God, because God, through the Holy Spirit, had been working in this man's life to prepare him for this encounter with, with uh, Philip. We see the Holy Spirit moving Philip to go and join himself to this chariot, right? And then we see Philip, and he's the spokesman. He's the voice. He's the human agent, if you will. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit is the agent of change. The Holy Spirit's the one that convicts. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws. The Holy Spirit's the one that sanctifies. But Philip was the human agent. So if you think about that, Jesus died, shed his blood, gave his body so that he could, that man could be redeemed. God did the work of working in that man's heart, working in that man's life, drawing him to him. The Holy Spirit took the word of God and, and pierced that man's heart so that he believed. And Philip simply told him what the word of God said, told him about the Savior. Now, which one of those is the easiest task? Phillips, right? You know, and, and I bring that up because I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves in soul winning because we feel like we have to say everything just right. We feel like we have to have all the answers to any questions they might come up with. And we feel like we have to have them make a decision. But nowhere in my Bible does it say that. Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. We just tell people what we know. And if we remember that we just have one part in this process and God does everything else, then I think you know, that just takes the pressure off us and it makes us so much more willing. And think about this. You and I get to have, be, have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to impact someone's life be the human agent. Now, we can't save them. We get to be the human agent in helping someone come to know Jesus Christ. We get to be the human agent in helping that individual have eternal life. Think about it. Changing their eternal destiny. You and I get to play a small part in that. Now, what's more important? What's more important? Us doing that or the fear, or a little bit of uncomfortableness that we might have in doing it. You know, we've got to just put that fear aside, trust the Lord. You know, remind ourselves, God is probably, is either doing something in that man's life or wants to do something, and I just got to be obedient. The Spirit's prompting me to do it. I have to obey God and just step forward and do it and just trust God with the results. There's no pressure. We don't have to save anybody. Amen? You know, Jesus said, look upon the fields for their white to harvest. And, and, and that's so true. You know, living, let me tell you something about this area. Y'all probably haven't noticed this, okay? But I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret. There's a lot of traffic in this area. Have y'all noticed that? There's a lot of traffic in this area. 
And everywhere you go, there's a crowd. Have you noticed that? And, you know, it can get to be a little bit annoying. You know, Cheryl and I, we've been talking about retirement and where we're going to move, and we're looking forward to, to, to getting out of this area, you know, because of that reason, really, because of the traffic and the crowds and stuff. And we're looking forward to leaving. But, you know, most of the time, that traffic and crowd is kind of an annoyance that keeps me from getting where I want to go. But in reality, they're people. And people means souls. And that means opportunities. So, you know, we just got to have the right perspective. You know, I was sitting down. I, I told you I've been praying and asking the Lord to make me a better soul winner, make me a more obedient soul winner. I went down to, uh, um, we live off of 234 down there. And we went, I went to, there's a, down at 234 by 95, there's a little shopping center. And there's a IHOP in there. And we called down and ordered some food one night. And I went down to pick it up and was going to bring it back home. And I parked, and as I'm going in the restaurant, there's a bench out front, and there's this man sitting on this bench, right? And as I walked by, I spoke to him, and I gave him a gospel track, and I went inside, and I got my food, and as I came back out, talked to him real quickly, you know, and then I got my car, and I was feeling good, you know, like I was just, you know, thankful the Lord allowed me to, to speak to this man. I get in my car, and I pull out, and I pull up to the stoplight there at 234. And it was like, you know, 5.30, somewhere in there, 5, 5.30. And there's, you know, traffic, man. It's just cars and cars and cars, all six lanes, you know, three lanes each way, bumper to bumper, just constant flow, constant. I'm watching it. And normally when I'm in a situation like that, I see cars. Like I say, I see annoyance. I want to get home and these people are in my way. But this time, I saw people. And, you know, I know that probably doesn't make any sense to you. But when I looked at the cars, I saw the people driving them, and it touched my heart. And, and, and this is, I was sitting there, and if, I was sitting at the light and, you know, looked up towards, you know, Dumfries. 234 goes over 95 and goes over towards Dumfries. And as I look, when it goes across the interstate, it kind of goes down a little hill. And as I saw the cars disappearing over that hill, I couldn't help but think, imagine all this traffic this constant flow of traffic, and imagine they're just driving off into hell. And then I realized that's not too far from the truth because every second, who knows how many people are dying and going into a Christless eternity. And you and I can make a difference in that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the truths of it. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being your servants, being your witnesses, Lord. And thank you, Father, for all your blessings, Lord. And I pray, Father, you move on hearts now, Lord, as you see fit. In Jesus' name. Tyler. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you would stand with us. If you are here this evening and you don't know Christ, or you're listening right now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd like to invite you now to understand that you have sinned and we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you'd like to accept him now just repeat after me dear God I admit that I'm a sinner and I deserve to pay for my sins I believe Jesus died for me and right now I receive the Lord Jesus into my heart as my Savior please take away my sin and take me to heaven when I die if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip your hand up so we can have somebody pray with you? 
breathe.